Welcome to the Purdue Basketball Podcast. I'm Elliot Bloom, joined by the voice of the Boilermakers, the Hall of Famer Larry Clisby. Episode 62 here on the podcast, and today we welcome in former player, member of the Purdue basketball family, Rayfell Davis, joins us. Ray, how you doing? I'm doing well, Bloom. I can't complain. How's everything with you? Oh, things are great. Things are great back here as uh, we tape this. It's uh, in the middle of the 2019 non-conference schedule, and uh, we're just plugging along, and uh, one of the one of the former players that I've always wanted to get on the podcast, and uh, a lot of, lot of, lot of great stories and memories with with you, Ray, and your time here with us. Um, and I wanted to, before we kind of get into, you know, your your career here at Purdue and your time um, in our program, I wanted to kind of go back. Um, you grew up in Fort Wayne, um, and were you in Fort Wayne your whole childhood? Yeah, I was born in Fort Wayne, and I didn't leave Fort Wayne until I went to Lollamere senior year. Okay, so um, we'll we'll get we'll get to the the part where you visit Purdue and you you, you had a beard when you were ten years old. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that part, but um, so talk about uh, your upbringing in Fort Wayne and and uh, what was childhood like for you? Uh, for me, growing up with. Uh, two-player household, two siblings, being the youngest, um, having a father that was a, a police officer when I was in elementary school, but also having, he ran, him and my mother ran the restaurant, they ran a clothing store. My father would work security for three or four restaurants throughout the week, so having a father that would work, some, at some times would work 18-hour days, 10 jobs a day, to having a mother that, um, out of high school, went straight to the Army, had no education to where um didn't go back to school to say I was about third grade, nine years old, to now we fast forward. She started she started with her associates when I went when I was in third grade, you fast forward maybe fifteen years and she has a doctorate in nursing now. So wow. having parents like that raised me on the south side of Fort Wayne and understanding what it took to not only to survive but to end up thriving. Mm-hmm. As I see them both now living living a great life, so it was a great upbringing. Just having that that strict household, and living in a household where if you didn't have all A's, you didn't play basketball. So, but also living where you have to you earn everything you get, and nothing is yeah. given to you. So, it was uh, it, I, my childhood was everything for me. It was everything I needed to be to put me in the situation I'm in. Well, we'll get to your we'll get to your parents. They were they were uh, two of the greatest we've had, and and your your dad's certainly a character, and uh, they they were a big part of uh, of your getting to where you are and, and your time here at Purdue as well. But um, at what age did you start uh, taking to the game of basketball? So I probably started around my parents say my parents say I used to shoot trash in the trash can at four years old, and um, a family friend actually purchased me one of the one of the little playrooms that you you know the one of those small little Nerf rooms. So, uh-huh. so I would say around four or five years old, I kind of just got interested in it. Then my parents probably we went full force into it. Probably about fourth grade is when we kind of actually is when I kind of got dropped off at the park by my father for a summer, and he didn't pick me up till night every every day. So <laughs> that was about that was about um, fourth grade. That happened for about three summers. We did that. Then we start. Then we got. Into, then we got into some travel ball. So at what age did you start realizing, like, hey, I'm pretty good at this? Was it around that time? No, I would say uh, 
it was around around I say eighth grade I realized I was pretty good because mm-hmm. the way um the way my household is the way my father and my mother are I mean, we, you don't you don't get caught up in all the hype you don't <laughs> right. get caught up <laughs> right. with telling you that you're good around the city yeah we we kept it real grounded I mean when us my father and paint was kind of the same in a, in, a, in a few ways whereas though in different verbiage they both express I know you heard paint say don't get emotionally drunk yeah yeah that was something that I grew up with. That's something my father taught as well. So about eighth grade, when I started getting recruited by colleges, is when I say hey, I can take this somewhere. Yeah, it's funny you bring that up. So for our listeners, Coach Painter, well, that is one of his sayings. He'll say, you know, you can't get – he'll say you can't get emotionally drunk, and then he always says you can't jump over the fight. Um, yep. And those two things are pretty similar in meaning and, and just a, a way to say, hey, look, you got to keep your composure. When good or bad things happen, you know, you can't get – you can't let emotions rule your uh, kind of take over and, and cloud your judgment. Um, and so as you get older and you start getting to be pretty good in eighth grade, you kind of take off. Um, at what point as you got older, did the recruiting start? What, what, how old were you when you started hearing from colleges? I had a, I had a big 10 college coach at a middle school game in eighth grade. So <laughs> That was kind of when it started for me, um, starting to talk to colleges, starting to get to know people. Because, um, I, I mean, I committed spring of my freshman year in high school. Right. So by then, by then I was over the recruitment. It didn't take me long to know who I wanted to be around and where I wanted to play. So I would say right at eighth grade, it's kind of – I started playing for um, – started playing for a, a bigger AU programs when I started playing for Speaks in the heat. So – kind of when things took off for me recruiting started to happen I committed pretty early and everything was smooth sailing from there so I remember when you visited as a freshman and we went over to coach's office which is before the Mackey renovations right yep yep. that was an old office around the concourse and we went into coach's office and I remember sitting in there with you and your family and uh coach offered you and um I just remember you didn't you didn't speak much and we walk, right. and, and you guys leave, and everybody kind of sits around, and coach is like, okay, so what do you think? And everybody, you know, shares their thoughts. And I remember saying, well, how do you guys know what this kid's all about? He didn't say anything. And, you know, you're, sometimes your instinct is like, well, you want a guy with a little more life or pop. Or, but but then, I, then I had to remind myself, this guy's a freshman in high school <laughs> sitting in an right. office with grown men hell no he's not gonna talk like i would you know anybody in that situation wouldn't talk when you're that young right Um, right but it it didn't take long so how many how many people had offered you when you decided to commit to purdue first solid offers purdue was my first solid offer i say as far as from the coach's mouth to my face that was my first solid offer my first one that i believed in so Mm -hmm. but i had um that week I mean, that week, I had, I don't know what day I visited Purdue, but that week I know I had a visit to Ohio State schedule, a visit to Xavier schedule. Yep. I don't think I was going down to Indiana. It might have been Illinois. But I had I had three I had three visits scheduled that week. And I know on the way home, because that was when um, the drive from Lafayette to Fort Wayne was a little longer then. Then right. we get the highways and whatnot. So yeah, yeah. we get halfway, we get halfway home, and my father asked me what I think. And I kind of just, I kind of just straight out said, "If no one on that staff has lied to me yet," 
And that was kind of, that's always, when someone asks me, hey, Ray, why'd you, why'd you commit so early? I keep it as straight as I can. I say, Payne's a guy that never lied to me through recruiting, never lied to me while I was committed, never lied to me once I got there. So it was like, that was one of, you felt Payne's honesty early. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I felt that I was, I, I genuinely wanted to be a part of what he had going on. Because, I mean, the flash of recruiting really, I'm not a guy that needs to be told he's great. Yeah. And Payne wasn't that guy. So that was really why I drew to him and drew to you all. Yeah, that's a, uh, even to this day, that's something that we always battle is some of the some of the recruits and some of the young, young men nowadays, uh, you know, now juniors can go on official visits. And so right. over a two-year period, a young man could visit theoretically 10 different schools on official visits and those are you know as you know two days each and that's a lot of time that's a lot of time to spend you know 10 weekends um out of your you know junior and senior year and usually right. usually in the fall sometimes in the summer but usually in the fall um just a lot of time and and obviously that what that wasn't uh that wasn't cut out for you to be i don't want to say wasting time but spending all that time doing those things yeah, no, I had um for me I knew for me I knew I wanted to stay close to home. I knew I wanted to be somewhere um comfortable. I knew I wanted to be somewhere where the coaches wanted wanted me to be me. Mm-hmm. So for me I didn't need to I wasn't that guy that needed to see a, a lot of campuses. I mean, things like that didn't attract uh, uh, the size of your buildings and the size of the classrooms didn't really attract me. I knew I I knew my standard of school. I knew I was to get good grades anyway, no matter yeah. where I was going to be. Yeah. So I could have went any college I would have went to. I would have had the same academic standard. But as far as just the, being at Purdue, being in the town, my mother having a Purdue degree at that time too, it all just made it made perfect sense. Well, I remember when you committed, and it was um, it was interesting because uh, a little bit for our for our listeners is. We kind of have a recruiting board that is kind of a basically it's a lack of a better term it's just a spreadsheet that kind of um, projects the next three or four classes and you're always looking at it our staff is because they're always trying to see how many scholarships we have in each class and as you begin to recruit you know classes and get a feel for how many guys you're going to need um, you kind of got to project a little bit and maybe guess you know if a kid may leave early to be a professional if he may um, you know, if you have any kids who may you think may transfer on you, things of that nature. But I just remember on that recruiting board, you know, you committed as a freshman, so it was like, okay, we got a guy committed, but he's not going to be here for a long time, yeah. and that which was a little unusual. And I know that then, even though somebody's committed to us, um, the coaches are still going to watch him play uh, during his high school season. You know, they want to see where he's at, you know, and offer some advice and hey, you know, you're doing this well, work on this. Although not not too much, I don't think I think especially Coach Painter doesn't want to kind of step on the toes of any uh, high school coaches. But in your case, uh, your high school career was a little unique. Um, you had a lot of coaches in your tenure, didn't you? Right. Yeah. I mean, four years of high school, four different high school coaches. <laughs> um, I mean, not just one high, one different high school coach, but four years, four different complete staffs. So I mean, it was. Um, it was a roller coaster to say the least of high school. Didn't learn, didn't learn a lot. I had a great sophomore coach. I mean, he was amazing. He taught me a lot fundamentally about the game. When I went up to high school, Coach Huss, he was a good coach as well. But uh, just the four years, four different coaches, it was definitely a lot. 
I rem- and I remember Coach Painter saying that a lot to our staff, like, hey, guys, you got to understand, like, Ray's had four different coaches he's played for. And that can be difficult because, as you said, new staffs, new systems, um, you know, I see a lot of guys, they're, they're, um, how they play the game is really dictated in their high school years. And what they learn at their high school level, and you can, we can tell on our end, and I think fans can tell the guys who were in a great high school program um, where they they stuck with one thing for four years. You know, they come in to their to the college level being really good at those things, and like you said in your case, to have four different areas, um, you know, probably very little carryover in any area if a team decides to press one year or zone one year or play man to man or different offenses. Uh, could be pretty challenging. Did you do you remember as you were going through it? Was there frustration on your part? I mean, I mean, it was complete frustration. You had um, <laughs> one year we ran a two-two-one zone press with one coach. The next year we ran a two-three and a three-two with that coach. The next year we ran a we ran an amoeba zone defense, which is like a two-two-one half court defense. Then, then you get to prep school, and now you have three seven footers, and now you're playing on the perimeter. So, <laughs> it was a lot of it was different. It was, it was a lot. Then also, I mean, you think about just being at the school I was at at Southside. My sophomore season had a good coach. I thought things were going well. We had, had a good year, and then everyone in my school was fired. Mm-hmm. Not just the coaching staff, but the teachers, the principal, the janitors. Pretty much everybody, top to bottom, was fired. Fired. I didn't that know that. Wow. Yeah, everybody was fired at Southside that year. They're threatening to, threatening to shutting it down or whatever, but. Then that next season, we get the coach from Northside, which is pretty much our rival. So it was a, it was a, <laughs> it was a yeah. real change in events. Our new rival coach is now my head coach, a guy that um, in the previous year, being a rival coach, I had some choice words in the media, I had some choice words in the newspaper, and now this is my head coach. So that there was a little difficult too. So it was a, it was a lot of different adjustments, but you just keep you get through it and you just keep swinging. And so then your senior year, you make the decision to go to Lollamere. Um, what was that year like? Um, very different, I would say. Being in, um, if you've never, you've never seen Lollamere, you just think of a, think of some woods and think of putting a pond in the in the school in the middle of it. <laughs> so yeah. um, there were times where there were times where I guess guys were wanting to get to the gas station on the on the main road about a mile down. And you get lost trying to find the main road. So <laughs> just go get something to eat, huh? <laughs> right. But no, Lala Mary was a good experience, great competition level. It was that when, when we were there, it was kind of the first year they played on the national on the national level, mm-hmm. playing at the Rise tournament, doing all that, that doing all that stuff. So being there, being able to focus on ball, but also what Lala Mary did also helped me academically having the classroom where. I went from at Southside maybe having 30 kids in a class to being at Lalamere, may have five in a class, may have 10 in a class. So that helped me a lot, helped me get my studies down to get to college and to succeed. So then I know you um, you, you have that roller coaster ride. You get to Purdue. Um, we were coming off, so the, the year you arrived was uh, – Lewis Jackson, Ryan Smith, Robbie Hummel just walked out the doors. They were seniors. We lost that heartbreaker to Kansas in the NCAA tournament. Um, then you walk in the doors. And from a personal standpoint, how was just adjustment to being away from home and, and you know, kind of being 
um, away at college. How did that go for you? For me, that adjustment, that part of it went well just because I'd already spent that year at Latimer. Mm-hmm. So that year at Latimer kind of adjusted me from being home, being away, being kind of secluded. But uh, So being at Purdue, I had a lot more freedom than Latimer, so that was good. But I was already I was already pretty well adjusted to being away from home. And also the class I came in with, um, AJ and I had known each other since eighth grade. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that was my roommate freshman year, so that was, <laughs> was an interesting year, but that was a good situation. <laughs> but um, then also with Jay, Jay and I went to Latimer together our senior year, so yeah. we came in together. Then also with um, being committed for so long, you get to be around a guy like Tyrone at the open gyms. I mean, Lewis and Lou Jack and I had a pretty pretty good relationship. So he, when he was around that summer, we would always work out. So it was a for me for me it was a good adjustment. It was a quick adjustment. It kind of felt like I was finally going home in a sense. I've been waiting to go to Purdue for four years. Right. Kind of felt like I was going back home. Yeah. So you come in the door, and um, we start that year, the 2012-13 year, and things kind of hit a road bump as we start. Um, we we dropped the season opener to Bucknell at home. Uh, remember, yeah. Tyrone was hurt in that game. Um, we rebound with a win, and then we headed out to uh, to New York and played in, a, in the preseason NIT um, tournament out there. And I remember... Um, I remember out in New York, we lose a heartbreaker to Villanova, and I think there was a bad there was a bad call there with uh, Bird got fouled. They don't call it, then they call him clearing out a guy with his elbow, and it kind of all spiraled from there. And we lost a lead, and we ended up losing a game there, and then lost the second game. And so things things aren't off to a good start your freshman year. What so as this is going on, what's going through your mind? Well, I mean. You say all of that, and what was going on in my mind, it was, it was pretty selfish the way I was thinking. I was just trying to figure out why I wasn't playing more minutes. Yeah, sure. So I was trying to understand what I could do, what role I needed to fill, because for me, I understood that I wasn't playing because I wasn't playing defense. So to me, it was to figure out how to play defense. I had to learn to kind of get in where I fit in. But then I also learned that the biggest thing for me, while we were going through those struggles, we were going through those struggles as a team, but through those struggles, I got to show that I could play hard mm-hmm. and I could play kind of a little bit of positionless basketball to where uh, I could just go out there and just play as hard as I could. But then it also showed me that um, it also showed me that there are a lot of ups and downs in college basketball. I wasn't as I wasn't as hip to college basketball outside of what I've seen at Purdue. Yeah. But going out to Madison Square Garden, seeing kind of the ups and downs of that Villanova game, should have like like you said, it's a bad call. We should have won that game, but. For me, it was just a lot of, at the beginning of that season, a lot of, why am I not playing more? I think I could be helping. I want to figure out why I'm not playing type of attitude for myself, which is, to me, I think is a little selfish knowing what we were going through. But at that point, I had been used to not only playing a lot, but I came in came into Purdue being a scorer. So it really was frustrating to sit on the bench and watch, watch us lose. Well, and we had, in that, in that first season, um, I remember, you know, we were young. Um, we had lost those three seniors, and um, the roster turned over quite a bit. There was a lot of kind of a new um, – your class had, you know, a lot of talent in it and a lot of new new pieces. And so we had a lot, uh, a lot of new things going on. And the one thing I remember from your freshman year was how often you came to coach and just said, what can I do or what do I need to do better? And right. as a freshman – 
Um, I got to tell you, I mean, and you know, because you've been around a million players too, it's so um, unusual as a freshman to um, exhibit those leadership qualities. And I just remember you telling coach like, hey, you know, what do I need to be doing? What, what do you need out of me? And that's so like you, you talked about you were thinking about yourself and I didn't I don't think we got that vibe as a staff. We thought because the questions you were asking were all about team stuff. And I feel as though, exactly, I get what you're saying, too, because it was more about, to me, it was more about how can I, what can I do, selfishly, personally, to help the team. So I guess the questions, like you're saying, the question I was asking was to help the team, gotcha. but it was to help me help the team. So, yeah. yeah, I definitely get what you're saying, because that was my whole, my only focus. Paint would always say, if you don't know something, just ask. And I I, I took that and I ran with it, because yeah, coming yeah. into Purdue, Coming into Purdue, I had no idea any defensive schemes. Right. We rarely even ran a shell drill in any of the years I was in high school. So it was really um, – but then it was also, in a sense, it was frustrating because I knew I could do it, but I just didn't know how Paint, Coach Owens, you guys, how you wanted me to do it. Mm-hmm. So that was a real um, – and like my, like I said, too, my father's the type of guy where though uh, calling home and complaining about it, that's not going to get you too far. So <laughs> he was the type of guy to where if you don't know why you're not playing, go find out. And don't call me back until you find out. <laughs> so <laughs> it was one of those things where I had to just I had to just dig down and just grow up a little bit. Well, do you remember <laughs> your dad? We t- we still tell stories about your dad. Just a great man, and uh, you're, it's fair to say your dad's a pretty big character too. Um, right, right. So do you remember on your official visit, we were over at the Hilton Garden Inn, we were wrapping up the visit, having breakfast, and your dad said, all right, I'm going to get on the road a little bit early, because you, you were driving home with your mom, and your dad jumped right. on his Harley and drove away. You remember that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he turned the music all the way up. <laughs> so he pulls his motorcycle right in front of the Hilton there, puts his helmet on, cranks his bike, and that music blared, and he rolls out. And man, we looked at him like, man, that is the coolest dude in the world. <laughs> I think it was. It's definitely a Tupac song as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when funny. you would you say those stories about your dad and the fact that you know he wanted you to go find the answer, that that is exactly the answer I would think he would give you because that's always what you know what we he would tell us. Um, yeah, he would always say. He would always say, "I'm not." He'd always say, "I'm not. I'm not calling paint to beg paint to play you." Mm-hmm. He would say that. He would say, "Paint, if you want paint to play you, you'll figure out a way to make paint play." You. So, yeah. like, like, like you're saying, it wasn't like it was. It was a lot of like my father was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. But when it was time to handle business, and he wasn't letting you complain about it. Either go get it done or don't do it. Yeah. Well, and that's. I mean, that's one of the reasons you're the you uh, ended up being the player you were you were and i i can't remember a player who's had a more um i guess i'm trying to think of the right what the right term would be you 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 rank right up there with the greatest improvement from when you stepped foot on campus to when you left um right and yeah, i appreciate that. and the hours you put in um to get to that point were incredible um you know, I think we around here we we've talked before about Conzo uh, Martin was uh, was not a three point shooter at all when he walked on campus and put in the work and by the time he was a junior and senior shot the ball really well from three. 
Right. And, and you're mentioned in that same breath because you put in a lot of time. Um, were there when you were when you had your doubts early on when you were an underclassman? What did you ever have those moments where you're like, man, am I gonna be able to do this at the level I want to do it at? No, I never had. I never really had those doubts. I never. Um, and just being being ex- extremely real with you, I had those questions to where do they want me here more or less gotcha. like, rather, yeah. rather than do, can I do it yeah. it was more or less can I do it here Yeah. but once I started having those doubts like I said like I said one of my family is one of those people that we believe what's for you is kind of for you and I feel as though I was at Purdue for a reason so I didn't necessarily doubt myself I just knew I had to work a little bit harder so your freshman and sophomore year don't go probably as you envisioned um, when you signed right. with us um, yeah. you, you come in and we have uh, two you know lackluster years which have been well documented and coach painters you know been very um, honest and open about those two years then your junior year as you head into your junior year do you remember any specific change in things um, as you got to your junior year I would say just like right now as you're talking I'm hearing Payne's voice and the one phrase I would say from my sophomore to junior year is if you don't like the hole you're in, stop digging and just climb yeah. out the hole. Yeah, I think that's one of the things we um because after my sophomore year, I think we were going into that spring, going to Maymaster. We had uh, myself, AJ, Basil, Bryce, and Kendall were our, were our only scholarship players. I believe we had five. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those. It was one of those things where it was either we put in the work now, we have five of us, or we're gonna be we're gonna be. I mean, we're gonna be sorry again next year. Right. So I would say our attitude changed. I would say our locker room definitely changed. We had a different mindset. Mm-hmm. We kind of went about things a little bit differently. I think we stopped digging ourselves in that hole. But then we also, I'm one of those guys that I completely understand that we had five great freshmen come in. Yeah. My junior season. That I know I got a lot of credit for that group, but <laughs> we have five freshmen that got to their first workout at 5.30 in the morning, 5.15 in the morning, when the workout didn't start till I think, 7.30. So we had that level of commitment across the board, top to bottom. Yeah, and you got that, that so that freshman class you're talking about, P.J. Thompson, Dakota Mathias, uh, Jaquiel Taylor, Isaac Haas, and Vince Edwards. And those guys come in, and I remember, I can still remember moving them in over at Kerry Quad, and, and you know, they're all new to campus. And... Do you remember? Um, do you remember that you kind of you know you were taking the the team by the horn, so to speak? I mean, there was no question who the leader was. Um, right. You know, at what at what point did you know, like, hey, this is my team? Did it happen? You know, that summer, or was there a specific specific moment? Or do you remember a conversation with the staff or anything like that? I would. Um, well, Coach Brantley would. Let me say this, Coach Brantley, in that. In that Maymaster, I think every day, because that big, the Big Ten, my Big Ten season, I mean, the, my junior season, the Big Ten had a lot of good scores. I had a lot of good guards, had a lot of good um, um, in between players. So Coach Brandley would always ask me, he would pick out a different player. I feel like every day and say, Hey Ray, who's gonna guard DeAndre Russell next year? Hey Ray, who's gonna guard Petway next year from Nebraska? So he would always say stuff like that to me. He'd always um. He would tell me essentially I was gonna get embarrassed because I couldn't play defense. And I was on the guys to play defense on those guys. So I would say that there kind of let me know that they're expecting me to guard these players, which is which kind of means they're expecting me to play at a higher level, which they're expecting me to up my level. So at that point, I realized that 
I realized that 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 was going on that I was kind of turning into my team. But then also, I started getting questions from AJ about the schedule. So AJ only <laughs> asked questions to people that he kind of knows knows what's going on and knows how to work. So <laughs> AJ kind of I had a conversation a little bit with AJ. Then I would say, well, really let me know. I would say, really let me know that this was kind of turning into my team and guys were looking at me in that way in that light. Was uh, was our very first um, individual workout where. My group wasn't going yet, but Dakota had came in the campus sick. And I don't yeah. know if you remember, but Dakota's first workout, he was laid yeah. on the floor in front of the fan in the tunnel. <laughs> remember that, yeah. <laughs> and I come down the tunnel and I see him, I just ask him what's going on. And Dakota just starts apologizing to me, telling me how it never happened again and how he's not he's not soft and he's a tougher player than this and whatnot. And I'm, I know a situation, so I know he's sick. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to understand why he's... <laughs> pouring out his heart to me but that was kind of the first time where I realized that these guys respect me these guys kind of respect what I have to say and they look up to me a little bit so I would say that very first workout is kind of where I kind of knew myself that I had to carry myself in a different way because people were looking yeah and those guys I think in and I know that just from talking to them since but I think they've even probably talked about that a little bit I know we've had all those guys on the podcast before and had them when they were seniors during their senior year and I think they all acknowledged that you know you were the guy and and really a big part of helping them acclimate as freshmen figure out what college is about figure out what coach painter's about what Purdue basketball is about um right and uh, and your work ethic too I mean showing them how it's done showing them the hours to put in um I think that that's the summer well that's the year it changed there's no doubt do you remember the start of your junior year and do you remember I mean we go out to Maui. Um, we lose a game. Oh, to... we get yeah. Kansas State. Yeah, yeah. Kansas... I remember after that game. Yeah. I think I sent. I think after that game or during that game, I either say or I say to paint or after the game, I send paint a message and I just say I got to be better. I can't do this. I can't be like this. We were playing that. Um, we were playing that week two three zone, <laughs> yeah. and it felt the zone. We were playing to me. It felt like we were playing that zone because no one was trusted to play defense. Yeah. So I guess after that game, I took that Kansas State game very, very personal because I felt to I felt as though we just I felt that we didn't play as hard as we could have, and that's just not the Purdue way. So then those next two games, I, I believe it was Missouri next. Yeah. And yep. then it was um, after Missouri, it was BYU. Yeah. So I think I think that I think going out to Maui and coming back from Maui, the way we came back, I think I think it really started us good yeah beat uh byu in overtime aj hit a big shot at the end of the game we we win by two and yeah we came home really happy came back and beat nc state in the acc big 10 challenge which was a huge win and then um and then to be frank we stumble a little bit we end this end the semester and we lose three straight games we get beat at vanderbilt we lose the notre dame down in indianapolis and then uh, December 22nd, we lose at home to Gardner-Webb. And, yep. uh, and we, we break, we go, to, we go to the Christmas break, and of course, any team, I don't care who you are, when you lose before Christmas, Christmas is ruined. And right. now you got to sit right. around on break and, and think about that for you know eight or nine days. But I just remember, um, you know, things were not good. I mean, we're coming off of two losing seasons. Uh, we have a bad way to end the non-conference and we're kind of at a crossroads uh what was kind of going through your mind over the break do you remember uh, that's exactly what you just said <laughs> exactly what you said just repeating this repeating the season before i remember because in my head losing to 
no disrespect to Gardner Webb, but losing to Gardner Webb was kind of compared how we lost to Eastern Michigan at Eastern Michigan when they stormed yeah. the court on us. Yeah. So it kind of felt like we were going down that same path. And over that break is where it was kind of my decision a little bit. And the guys as well, but we spent a lot of time together with each other. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't in class. or we, we weren't in the gym. We were with each other outside of the, outside of the gym. So we really kind of got to know each other outside of a basketball level. which kind of, I think, built a trust a little bit. And I think we started to compete. We started to compete more in practice against each other because I think we were more comfortable with each other from that break. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was definitely one of those breaks where it was, <laughs> felt like it was a coming to Jesus moment every day. Yeah, and I still remember, I still remember that. Uh, I believe I want to say we played Minnesota. Yes, coming back from break or something like you that. You are correct. Yeah, and I, and I remember that very first practice and break, and Coach <laughs> Owens was on a different level. Yeah, <laughs> if you went for, I think if you went, I still remember. I think if you got scored on. Or if you went for a jab fake, or if you went for a pump fake, or if you didn't close out properly, you had top of Mackey. No yep. questions asked. Yep. So that was um that then on the other end you had I think that was when Payne was doing a kind of um you had three stops to get out. Yep. Three stops in a row or you're running. So I mean that was one of those practices to where after that practice we had no other choice but to come together as a team and say we need to fix this because we can't keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and that was one of those moments where that was. To me, that was probably one of my harder practices. And that was also a moment to me where I said to myself, if I'm going to be running for doing all this, I'm going to have to lock in on defense. So that was a game where I think that next game I guarded. Um, I can't remember who I guarded, but that was a, it was a pretty good guard. I want to say Holland's brother. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Well, he wasn't the, that wasn't his brother, but one of the Hollins. And they, we did a pretty good job on them, John Octavius and myself. And then we kind of built a strong defensive backcourt that game and kind of kept it going. Larry, do you remember that? season and there's kind of that that feeling of being at a crossroads yeah I do um, and there's so many seasons like that for almost every team and you just don't really know what the difference is but usually it's because you have team leaders that you know take a hold of it and sometimes um, other players listen and 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 other times they don't. Yeah, right. You're at the mercy of your teammates too. I think those guys. I think those guys were so young that they had to listen. And I I remember that practice you're talking about, Ray. We came back on I think it was December 26th, which is when we normally yep. come back. We come back in the evenings. And basically those days around Christmas, Coach had basically said, "Look, things are changing, and it's starting now, and we're going to get back to garden people, and we're going to get back to doing it, you know, with no." Uh, no excuses and no other options. Yep. And I just yep. remember you guys. Yeah, I remember you going to the top of Mackey. I remember wall sits. I remember your, uh, I remember that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that practice for you guys just being a hell. I just remember. And it was uh, one of those practices that um, <laughs> we didn't start with film. So we got right into practice. And also on a winter break, if I'm not mistaken, there is no three-hour rule to practice. Right. So I right. believe we went, we went over. And I mean, yeah, we went hard that day. I think me and – I think – so it was guys going nose to nose that were out of exhaustion, were ready to fight each other. That's how hard we were Yeah, it was it was a really intense um, four day period. And then, yeah. as you said, we play Minnesota here on New Year's Eve, and at that point, people didn't really know what to expect. And you guys came out. We get a, a hard earned win. They were a good team. Um, we come back and and we won. We we started two and two, but the Big Ten as always was really good. Actually, we started three and three. And then uh, things start clicking, 
and we beat uh, we beat Iowa and Indiana here. Both teams were ranked. We went up and won at Northwestern. We beat a ranked Ohio State team here. So all of a sudden, we win four games in a row, three of them against ranked teams. Um, we go up to Minnesota and get beat in a close one, and then we roll off four more in a row. So we, we go, basically, we win eight of nine games, one of those being at Indiana, uh, yep. when everybody will remember, you know, John's dunk down there. Um, when he baptized the map the masses and uh, but at that point you know we're rolling and we and in a good a year when the Big Ten was very good um, we did what we had to do to put ourselves in position to uh, to get an NCAA tournament bid we went 12 and 6 in the league um, which 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 earned us a a, a trip to um, to the NCAA tournament Uh, won a game in the Big Ten tournament and then and then ran into that Wisconsin team that was a you know loaded with Kaminsky right. and those guys yeah. um, and we get through that year and it felt like okay we got this thing turned around and now like now there's no looking back um, and right. you, so then you know you what were your thoughts heading into your senior year and in my senior year I mean I thought we were gonna be really good like you said we had kind of we had stopped digging we had climbed ourselves out of out of a hole yeah we had, don't we have to do to kind of get the the notoriety that we had deserved without the Big Ten we still had um going into my senior year they were still for me personally and i know it's kind of how i took it was that purdue always had good bigs but we had no guards that was a story that they said about my junior year the story that they were saying going into my senior year yeah senior year that how what were purdue what were their guards going to be like so i mean i still felt good about it knowing especially that I was defensive player of the year knowing that i still had aj coming back behind me and being able to block shots at the rim, I knew we'd be really good defensively again. Mm-hmm. And then when Caleb committed, I mean, I just saw the sky's the limit with that team. So it was one of those moments where I was feeling extremely confident. I think we went into the season ranked, which was my first time that happened. Yeah. So I think um, going going into it, it was a great feeling. It's a great feeling around campus um, that Purdue basketball was finally back. Yeah, that I, I think that's exactly right. I think it. It uh, that was the feeling it is back, and we had all these players. Biggie comes aboard, um, I w- and I'm glad you brought it up because that was going to be one of my questions. You go from, as you said, um, not having a lot of uh, defensive basketball IQ, I guess, so to speak, because you just have you know you never played man to man in high school. Um, you didn't have a lot of defensive concepts, you know, locked in. Um, did you ever think when you were a freshman that you would be end up being a, the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year? I would have thought if you would have told me, Ray, do you think do you think you'll be um, Defensive Player of the Year, or do you think you'd transfer from Purdue? I would thought I'd be transferring from Purdue before I'm Defensive Player of the Year. <laughs> Defense for me was an afterthought. Yeah. I had no idea how to play it. I had no want to to play it. It just was. Not something I ever, I, honestly, going into, like I said, I didn't, once I committed to Purdue, I guess, I didn't watch much college basketball in high school, just being honest. Yeah. So I would say, I didn't quite understand what Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year was. I knew Aaron Kraft had won it, but and for me, I just, I never even put two to two together to think that was something I even wanted to win. Well, it was, it's a, I mean, it's a amazing, it's an amazing story for a lot of reasons, right. but one of them being just how far, um, or just your lack of coaching on the defensive end before you got here. And to, for, it's a testament for, to you to, first of all, um, you know, you got to want to guard. It, like anything, right. that's where it starts. You have to want to guard your guy. 
and you have to want to do it at a high level and you obviously did that but then to just pick up the concepts and work hard enough to get there uh, was really really a great thing and, and really a testament to us getting our season turned around and getting the program back on track you, we go in our your senior year we win our first 10 games uh, we get into Big Ten season another um, you know really good year in the league um, we have a our game here against Michigan State was one of the highlights and obviously one that you at went absolutely crazy in, in that first half um, yeah what was so and our fans I'm sure remember this um, how many threes did you hit in that first half do you remember I think I hit five in the first half and one in the second I think I, I think all together I hit six oh. I think five in the first do you remember that first half Larry just to, I mean Mackey was one of those games Mackey was just you know was on ten and right. uh, you're bombing away and we're on top we made it we had a big lead they came back um, we hold on at the end um, we get a win over a you know a top ten team, um, big resume builder, um, and then we we face Michigan State again in the championship game of the Big Ten tournament down in Indianapolis, um, yeah. and again go uh, go to the NCAA tournament, um, and then you know one of the um, one of the more frustrating games that we've had here with Coach Painter we go out to Denver and we uh, we get upset by Arkansas Little Rock, um, yeah. You know, as you look back on your senior year, a lot of great memories, a lot of great highlights, a lot of great games. Um, you know, I know that that's the last thing you wanted to do was go out like that. Um, right. When, when that game's over and you realize your four years are over, I mean, what what's going through your head? For me, it was tough. For me, because, like you said, my four years were over. But for me, it was more or less, too, that my eight years are over because I spent four years being dedicated to high school to Purdue. Right, yeah. So I always saw it as a more of an eight-year run coming to an end. For, so to me, I mean, it definitely was sad. But also, I mean, in that locker room, after I kind of got myself together a little bit and saw the guys, especially the young guys, kind of see what I was going through in that moment. And I think in that moment they understood that they didn't want to go through that again, mm-hmm. or especially go through that their senior year. So I felt as though Seeing, seeing how the guys responded when we got back to Purdue. And when I, I mean, I wasn't coming to workouts anymore, but seeing how guys were still getting in the gym, guys were still playing, I feel as though I left Purdue in a better place. Mm-hmm. So I was I was at peace. I wasn't at peace with losing. I wasn't at peace with how we lost, but I was at peace to know that Purdue was going up. And I had a and I had a part that I played in that. So well, it was you, definitely, um, it was, was, go ahead. Well, you talk about your eight years. Like I, uh, this is crazy, but I look at it as more than that. I feel like you were still part of us, even after your playing days were over. Um, right. And there, so there's one story I got to get some clarification on there because I've heard this. Uh, we've heard this around the basketball office. And I want to know if it's true. So you're, so you graduate. You're done. The following year, uh, PJ and Isaiah and and Dakota and those guys um, are juniors. Um, Biggie's second year. He decides to stay for a second year. Uh, we get off to a, a good start. Um, and we go through the Big Ten, and we're playing really well. We have Indiana here and for a chance to win the Big Ten. Yeah. And um, a lot of our players were staying in a house um, a couple blocks away from Mackey um, that they all lived together. And the room, one of the rumors I got was that door opened up 
and you walked through that door and said, who's ready to win a Big Ten championship tonight? Now, is that true? Uh, or something to that, that effect? Day? On that day? Was it that day? Or was it around that game? Well, it wasn't that. I wasn't at the Indiana game where they won it, but I know exactly what you're talking about. When I the door was unlocked and I just walked in, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. That happened. And were the guys sleeping? The were the guys? Yeah, the guys sleeping. I woke, I woke everybody up. Yeah. <laughs> what were you saying? <laughs> I just was telling them, "Let's go." <laughs> I was wasting time that we was close. I think I was telling them we were going to win it. I think we were. I think it was headed towards the end of the season. We were in the chance that we were going to win it. And I couldn't understand why PJ was still asleep and the sun was up. <laughs> so I made sure I woke everybody up. PJ, PJ's in Grady's room. They were near each other. They were on the same floor. So I um, woke both of those guys up easily. Dakota was a little bit tougher. I don't, I don't remember necessarily waking Dakota up. More or less, is cause waking Grady up is tough. It's tough to get Grady out of bed. So <laughs> He's a deep sleeper. A my, <laughs> yeah, great. <laughs> when Grady didn't want to get up, he went. He would just throw his body back down but that was ah, that's funny I forgot all about that but you have to throw and I couldn't understand honestly why the door was unlocked and everybody was sleeping so I, I think I took the batteries out of the remote or something like that I took them with me but so they couldn't the watch TV they had to go to the gym yeah. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> but so, yeah that's true it may not have been the Indiana game but okay. that story's there it's true so one of the things that um, that I've always been amazed by really is when these guys were getting older, when they were juniors and seniors, and even last year, Grady, as a senior. So really, three years after you had left, um, there's probably no former player, well, there is no former player that these guys all talk to more than you. Um, I mean, it was like nonstop. I mean, there'd be a day at practice, and, and somebody would say, you know, I was talking to Rayfield yesterday, and I said, you were talking yeah. to him? He goes, yeah, we text all the time. I said, you do? And and it didn't matter who I would talk to. I could talk to PJ, Dakota, Grady, Vince. It didn't matter. Um, yeah. You were really in touch with those guys, what would you say, almost daily? Especially um, Dakota's and PJ's, their junior and senior year, Vince's junior and senior year, I was probably in touch with those guys daily, at least one of them on a daily basis. I watch all the games. There was, there was times where – it was times where I rewatch games. I watch it. I record it. And I watch it again. I text him what I saw or Dakota. I remember it was specific. Dakota would ask me to watch film on a certain guy, or and I would send him what I thought of the guy, what I thought of Tennessee's were. Because I mean, Coach B does a great job with the scouting report, but Coach B was never a defensive player. So, <laughs> 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 but I would um, send him what I thought or whatever. Then also just kind of keeping the spirits high if we did lose a game. Just kind of. Just standing in the air, and I just, I kind of still, definitely still, am doing it. I mean, yeah. even in the sense that I'll talk to, I probably talk to Eric probably once or twice a week, a little bit. So it's one of those things where I'm, like I said, I'm truly invested in Purdue. I feel as though, like those are my babies, and it's even still <laughs> growing. Because I remember I told, I remember Eric was a freshman in high school, and I told Coach Brantley, I said, "You got to get this kid. He's a freshman. He's gonna be good." Yeah. And he said, "Right, don't bother me with no freshman." And I said, "All right." You gotta get this kid, and it end up being it end up being extremely good. So it's one of those things where I want Purdue to be good. I want Purdue to be good forever. So I'm always do what I can, and all of the guys have my number even now, and they all know they can always reach out to me. Well, and you're back from time to time. I know we see you quite often. You come back for games and and just to pop in and say hi. And I know um, uh, when we when those guys got their Big Ten championship rings. 
I'll never forget kind of going over. We have a list that Coach Painter and I will go over and we'll talk about, okay, let's make sure we get a ring for this person, this person. And, you know, it's obviously players and staff, but also support staff and people who work with us and we feel are deserving. And uh, right away, Coach was like, hey, we're getting Rayfell championship ring. And I said, man, I love that idea. And he goes, hell, he had as much to do with this as anybody. And it was yeah. for all those those moments. It was for those moments when yeah. you call guys and text guys and and really help um, set the foundation for the second half of, you know, Coach Painter's tenure here. I mean, I think those guys, you know, Juwan, Etuan, Rob, Kramer, Keaton Grant, those guys were always kind of the first half. And, you know, you, I think, were the bedrock of that second half to where we are now. And I think you get a lot, you, you know, you've earned and deserve a lot of credit for kind of where this program's at right now. I uh, appreciate that. And that was one of the things where I knew I was coming back for homecoming, but I had no idea that I was going to get that ring. That was one of those feelings where, where in that moment, it all became worth it to me. It all became as though, what, even though I didn't, I didn't win a Big Ten, per, win, win a Big Ten championship playing on the floor, but my influence helped those guys and Coach saw it, and the, and you guys saw it. That I mean, getting that ring meant a lot to me. I mean, it still does to this day being able to be appreciated even though you left a program. So it just goes to show that Paint, you, Coach O, Coach G, Coach Shrews, Coach B, everybody, it's a big family. And once you're in this family, we'll do right by you, you do right by us, and we'll do right to each other. So it was it was definitely one of the better feelings that I had. Even I mean, I wasn't even enrolled at Purdue anymore, but it was still one of the better feelings I had being a part of Purdue. Ray, um, one of the things that I've noticed in – uh, and it's really been uh, accentuated to me is when we look at our ball club and uh, the in the success it's had in the last couple of years, and you know that Virginia game was a was definitely a, a monumental game for us because it put us on the map. It's surprising that Purdue was hardly thought of even though we've had so much success in the past but now one game it was like holy mackerel all of a sudden everybody uh, wants to know about us right and um but i but i i really got a feeling and i don't know i might be wrong and you can correct me if you think i'm wrong but i just feel that right now uh, our program has a you know it has an understanding of where it wants to go, how it wants to do things, and they stay consistent and consistent with that thought. And you know, even when you lose a game by a point or two, you know, you just don't you don't uh, don't lose your head. You just stay consistent, and we can be really good all the time. And we have been yep. that way for the last couple of years. Yeah, no, I think so. I think I think I think what um I think the way paint and I think the way coaches I think the way the coaches recruit and the type of players that we recruit it just keeps our locker room stable. I mean, guys are in that locker room that want to win, that want to play hard, that want to play the right way. Guys are there because they want to be at Purdue, and I think that's um that was a big. I think me personally speaking, I think that was a big thing for paint getting guys that want to do things the Purdue way, be a part of the Purdue culture. And I, for myself, I would say right now, like you said, I mean, we're getting a lot of notoriety throughout the country. I mean, even being in Atlanta, being in Georgia, going to a Lifetime Fitness, seeing kids play basketball with a Purdue T-shirt on. Mm-hmm. 
and understanding that being in the South is a football-heavy SEC country, but you see Purdue basketball here in Atlanta. You see kids that I work with tell me they want to play for Purdue basketball. They want to be like Carson Edwards. They want to be in Indiana. So it's a, it's a great feeling to know where we've come and where we're at now. Well, you, you mentioned you're down in Atlanta. Tell, uh, tell our listeners what you're up to now. Uh, right now, I'm um, doing a few different things. My my main job, I guess I would say, I'm a pharmaceutical sales rep for Eli Lilly. I've been doing that for three years, ever since pretty much I graduated from Purdue. Played a little bit after that, then went in straight into Eli Lilly. Been doing that's great. I work in the North Georgia area, so great company. Great business to be in. I can't complain there. Then outside of Eli Lilly, I mean, I volunteer a lot. Like right now, I'm volunteering with eight, nine-year-olds, a basketball team that I'm coaching every Saturday. Just doing a little bit of that. Then I'm also working with working with a few younger players, just just kind of give my time back and just trying to be my biggest thing after Purdue. And even a big reason why I still reach out to the guys at Purdue is be that person that you wish you had when you were younger. So get be that person that gives your time to the young kids that's growing up playing basketball. Be that be that guy that can. Go into a, go into an eight eight year old practice and have as much fun as the eight year olds and <laughs> yeah. kind of just teach them the game. So I think that's been big for me. But then also I spent a year co- coaching high school basketball as an assistant, won a state championship doing that here in Georgia. So life is good for me. I've I have I have one daughter while I was at Purdue. Then also I have a, a second daughter now. So I can't complain where I'm at. Um, employment wise. And it's community-wise, or even mentally, so I'm in a pretty good spot. That's awesome. It's great to hear, and and uh, and I think I, I might have told you this before, but whenever we're evaluating players and talking about recruits and things like that, there's one thing that uh, that comes will come up from time to time. And anytime we talk about leadership on our team or anything, you're kind of the gold standard that it gets measured to. So like that name will come up. Hey, is he is is he as good a leader as Rayfield? And now normally the answer is no because you, that's how high a bar you've set. Um, but uh, we still consider you probably our, our, our greatest leader we've had here under, under Coach Painter and uh, one of our favorites here. And, and uh, we always like it when you, when you spend time around us and come back. So That's a big statement. I appreciate that, Bloom. I do. And just giving you just a – nice just was sitting here thinking about it. And the guy that I've been communicating with a little bit here lately is a guy, Jay Nivey. So yeah. him being at Lallemere, him going to Purdue – I reached out to well, his high school coach reached out to me and we've been kind of talking a little bit so like you said is this if there's if there's anybody that I could ever talk to that's a part of Purdue I spoke with his mother I'm excited for his future I'm excited where Purdue is going and hearing you say that about me and my leadership like I said that means a lot to me boom it does well that's the truth man you're, you're a big part of our program to this day so um, well, Rafael, we we end every podcast with uh, we call it the final four. It's four questions, kind of off the off of the basketball topic, and uh, we want to do that with you right now. Uh, first question on the final four is: um, What is your favorite music or your go-to music of choice? R and B. You got a particular artist that you is a favorite of yours? I like. Well, if I'm gonna go with an artist, let me go with. Um, let me think for a second. I go Biggie. I like Biggie. Okay. So if I'm, go, if I'm thinking of an artist, that's my favorite artist. Of yeah, all you can't go wrong there. Uh, second question on the Final Four. Uh, what is your favorite book or maybe a good book you've read recently? Mm-hmm. 
What is the name of that? I just. What is that book I just read? Um, uh, or is there a big? Is there a well, um, certain I'm kind of to, book? I can't there... think of that. Anyway, I can't think of that name book. But I would say the last, most previous, most recent book I read was Black Privilege by Charlemagne the God. He's oh, okay. a radio host on yeah. um, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. So I just read that about a week ago, and that was really good to me. I read his, I was thinking of his other book that he wrote, the second book that he wrote. Now I don't know what I was going to say. It's about mental health, but the Black Privilege book was good as well, was great as well. And so do you have a specific, uh, you know, area that you like to read about or any specific genre of books, or does it just kind of depend? I, I think right now I'm more or less reading a lot about mental health, a lot about just mental well-being, because I think a lot of guys go, especially at this college level, go through a little, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of, a little bit of mental things. So I've just been kind of diving into that, just learning as much as I can about the mind. Yeah, that's a fascinating and a, and a big area that's in sports in general. Um, with Kevin right. Love coming out with that stuff yeah. in, the, in the NBA, and they're making a big push for that. So yeah, a very timely uh, area as well. Question three here on the final four. If you could wave a wand and do any profession tomorrow, what would that be? If I could wave a wand and be and do any profession. I would say I would just be at um I would own the gym. I would be a I'll be a guy that owns a gym that gives a place for players who rather no matter the community you come from, no matter the background you have, to give you a safe place to come and play ball. Come be on a team. Come and come and join a team. Come and play in the league to give people a safe place to go to play ball all day. That's, that's kinda, really cool. That'll be my dream. That'll be my dream job. My dream. Uh, that's a dream of mine is to own a gym, say like a like a speech field house in Fort Wayne. Yeah, that's really cool. Just focus on giving kids opportunities. And I think too, people um, may not understand that how big a part of that, how big a part basketball and other sports can be for kids, um, and an outlet to just. Hey man, life life's hard. Childhood's hard. Home life's hard, yep. and that's your kind of place you can go and kind of get away from it for a couple hours every day. Exactly. Well, exactly. I, have to t- I have to tell you this, Ray, that uh, just this interview alone uh, certainly tells me how far you've come since you started here, and uh, and I'm extremely. Uh, fascinated by it, very proud of you. But boy, you just uh, you just hold your just your presence makes a big big difference. And so you're a, you're a remarkable young man when it comes to as a leader and as a as a person who carries a Purdue name. And uh, we're we're very very proud of you. I appreciate that, Chris. I do. That means a lot coming from you. Very well said, Larry. Final four, uh, final question here on the final four, Rayfell is: What is something that very few people or no one knows about you? A little known fact about Rayfell Davis. I guess a little known fact about me was that um, all the success I had, all the success we talked about throughout this interview, everything that I did at Purdue from say my sophomore year to my junior year, I take none of that credit. I give it all to my oldest daughter, Kendall. Mm. I mean, she was born my sophomore season. And when you talk about what changed and what gave me that motivation, having that, having a baby girl that looked at me to be great, 
to me, I mean, a lot of people don't know how much I really do care about my my two kids and that I will give them the word if I could. So I'm a family guy. If it, if it interferes with my family, I won't do it. So that's the one thing I don't know if a lot of people know about me. Well, that's awesome, man. And, and uh, just, you know, thanks so much for taking time. Uh, it was great to kind of walk down some of those memories with you, get some, uh, get some of those stories. Um, you know, you're a guy that uh, big impact, um, as we talked about on the court. I mean, you play, you started 97 games for this program, a thousand point score, you know, your accomplishments um, on the floor, big 10 defensive player of the year, you know, all that stuff is extremely well documented. Um, but I think that uh, the stuff you've done off the floor um, is equally as impressive, and, and that speaks volumes considering that you were a, a really good player here. Um, it's just, uh, just as Larry said, we're all proud of you, and, and uh, thanks again for taking time here to join us today. Uh, no problem. I appreciate you and all you've done for me as well. All right, that's Rayfell Davis, everybody. Uh, it was episode 62 here on the podcast. We appreciate everybody listening. As a reminder, you can always join or drop questions to us at boilerballpodcast at gmail.com. We'll answer those uh, in a timely fashion. And until next time, be curious, be informed, and be well. Mm-hmm.